Welcome to Freedom Slay Podcast, where fempreneurs, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs come to fast track their success. If you're a millennial girl boss, listen, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the goods, because every week you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your business goals to create a life of time and financial freedom. I'm Ganette Jones, your host and Freedom Slayer in charge here. Let's begin. Welcome to episode 41 of the Freedom Slave podcast. Today, I have a very special guest to introduce to you, my business attorney, Dominique Price. And I think after this episode, she's going to become your legal bestie as well. Dominique is an attorney who went from protecting billion dollar brands to assisting athletes, small businesses, influencers, and nonprofits to protect their coins. Important stuff here. Her company, Price Law, helps clients with business formation, all things intellectual property, and estate planning. And in this episode, we're going to get into the intellectual property piece. So we'll be talking a bit about trademark and copyright. Dominique has worked on five trademarks for my company, as well as an LLC. And I think you'll understand why I adore her and trust her so much after this interview. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hey, hey, Dominique. Awesome to have you on, girl. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I absolutely love you. I adore what you're doing with the Freedom Slate podcast and, and super, super excited to talk to your audience about brand protection today. You have such an interesting come up into this whole legal business world, right? So can you tell us a bit about how you got to where you are doing what you're doing today? Yeah, it's actually pretty serendipitous. Like when they, one of my dad's favorite movies when I was growing up was called Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow. And it's still one of now my favorite movies to this day, because the premise of the movie is basically where she has a breakup with a guy and she catches him cheating only because she misses the train. And so the whole premise of the movie is what if she wouldn't have missed the train? Does she still get to the other end, you know, of this, this situation with this guy? And I I look a lot like my life like that. I look at, you know, things that you don't really understand, like how they're preparing you. And you have this point in life where you ask yourself, like, if I go left or if I go right, like, how big is this going to impact my life? And will I still get to the place that I want to be? And I start off, you know, answering your question with that simply because when I was in law school, I never in a million years thought that I'd be doing what I was doing right now. But it was a lot of left and right turns that got me here. Because when I was in law school, you couldn't have told me that I wasn't going to be the first black female commissioner of the NBA. And so because that was my original dream and thought process to like why I went to law school, a lot of the internships and the networking that I, w- I was doing was all in sports. All of my contacts were in sports. When I was an undergrad, I did my internships in sports. When I was, you know, in law school, all of my classes were very sports law driven. But when I actually got the opportunity to start working in sports law, specifically as the youngest assistant general counsel for the Portland Trailblazers, I began to realize that as much as I loved like working in sports, I didn't necessarily love working on the legal side of sports. And so I had a conversation with the then president of the Portland Trailblazers, Larry Miller, who's now with Brian Jordan. And he was just like, hey, if you're really serious about wanting to one day be the commissioner of the NBA, you need more business experience. So I think you should go and consider, you know, going corporate. And so because when I was in high school, I was selected as a digi girl, 
which for those that don't know is Microsoft chooses high school students from high school girls from around the country to get them more into STEM. And so I was selected um, by my computer teacher, my freshman year of high school to participate in that program and did it for several years where I was able to learn coding and a bunch of other like really cool stuff. So I hit up my contacts that were still with Microsoft and was like, hey, I want to go corporate. Do you guys have any positions open? Was able to, you know, make the transfer from the Portland Trailblazers to Microsoft, which was really, really amazing. And that's, you know, it's interesting because even though I worked with a ton of intellectual property with the Portland Trailblazers from a monitor and infringement standpoint, when I got to Microsoft, I was working on intellectual property from a privacy and a launch perspective. Because when I was at Microsoft, a lot of what I was learning was, you know, what are the policies around launching a new product in different countries? What are the different intellectual property pieces that have to go with each piece of technology that we put out? And so it was super, super informative, but it also kind of really changed the trajectory of my life because I ended up meeting a young man. His name is Rashad. It's so funny because I've actually never told this story this way specifically, but I ended up meeting a young man who had ended up going to Hampton University. I went to Virginia State University for undergrad. And we met one day randomly while I was in um, the Xbox building because that was one of the projects that I, I worked on. And, you know, two black young kids in the Xbox building, you're bound to, you know, start talking to each other. And so he actually was leaving his big corporate job to be one of the marketing directors for the then just getting ready to launch Revolt. And so he inspired me so, so, so much, you know, minorities and women are the underdog when it comes to intellectual property for years and centuries from inventions to our blood to, you know, just our genius intellectual property has been stolen from larger corporations, from people Mm -hmm. with more money. And so as he and I began to really talk and why, you know, Puff was really excited and driven about creating revolt, it was the first kind of pull from my thread of life that began to like make me think about what I was doing because it was cute to be on the track to make, you know, six figures and to be that young, you know, to be doing what I was doing, but what impact was I really having? And that's what began to like gnaw at my brain. And so from that interaction, from that day, I then met, you know, my first big client mentor and big sister, Tiffany Montgomery, who's the founder of the Love Tiffany. (laughs) Love her too. Shout out to Tiffany. She, that is like my big sister. I love her so much, but it's so funny because then Tiffany really began to work with me on mindset. And so kind of, you know what they say, like you can learn more about a person from watching them than you can from asking them questions or, you know, seeking mentorship from them. Mm -hmm. Tiffany taught me a lot just by me watching her actions. Tiffany's a huge proponent on doing it afraid and only needing one step at a time and God will give you the rest. And so her and I were um, actually supposed to attend a miracles training conference and my boss, the training was during the week. And so it was from a Wednesday to Friday and my boss would not approve for me to leave because of the type of specialty I had. No one else in the office drafted the type of contracts I drafted, which brought in close to a half a million dollars a, a, a month in contract revenue. And so they wouldn't, they basically were just like, no, you can't take the time off. 
we don't have the coverage. And so I just, you know, had told Tiff like, hey, you know, maybe next time. And she goes, Dom, you do realize that a lot of things, there won't be a next time, you know, like there's so much about life that you begin to miss because you're so focused on work. You have to begin to ask yourself, what is like, what do you really want out of life? What is your balance? What is your why? Like, what do you really want the next 10 years of your life to look like? And so as that mindset began to shift, everything that like I had began to work on for the last like 10 years or so began to just like start to take a different perspective for me. And so I took all the skills that I had learned from prior to ever going to law school, I did PR. So I took my PR background, took the sports background that I had, I took the the knowledge that I had gained at Microsoft and really just started to pray and seek God and just ask him what he wanted me to do. And he put on my heart to start Price Law. And at the time I was so afraid because you have to understand, I didn't grow up with attorneys in my community. I didn't grow up with knowing attorneys in my family to have law firms to intern at during the summer times. Like I really, becoming an, an attorney was a huge faith leap for me. And so in making that decision, I knew having my own firm was always something I was going to do, but I thought it was something you did at like 40, 50 years old when you're getting ready to retire. I never thought it was something that you do when you're 28. And so in, in, in that vein, I decided to do it afraid. I was like, you know what, if Tiffany believes that I can do this, if she believes in me enough to hire me as her attorney and she's literally, you know, creating like billion dollar brands and she wants me to help protect it, then I have to believe in myself enough to bet on me. And so I started my first program because I started teaching before I, I, I really, you know, did anything else. Started a program and I launched it and it did amazing. It ended up garnering more in revenue than I had done in a quarter at Microsoft. And so it kind of started the the thought process of like, oh God, I could really do this and I could really leave corporate. So because I am me, I needed to plan a little bit more. So I kind of just started ducking my coins away, marketing the firm, getting more clientele. <laughs> um, and I feel like I'm rambling, but like telling the story. So you let me know if you want to cut in at any point. No, um, no. I love the story, seriously. And I love, well, I, I love, I love Tiffany, right? And I love yeah. that she's the one who's like, listen, chick, you could do this, okay? Yeah, she really um, did. And she still does to this day. There's, there's so much stuff that like, to me is still like, I always say the unlearned or relearn process of everything in life, everything that if we weren't raised, you know, I, I say all the time, like I was raised by some really phenomenal women, but there's still some things that I have to unlearn to relearn to be the phenomenal woman that I want to be in the future. And, and that's so what makes life amazing. Cause it's like, it's a learning process, right? Yeah, it's a total learning. learning process. And Tiffany, and I always say like, God sends you the resources exactly when you need them. I didn't even realize how much I needed Tiffany and how, how pivotal she would be in my life until years later. But to get back on track with storytelling from, from, from that, I just really kind of just like started to scroll it, you know, like a nut. I just started putting nuts away for, you know, the rainy day season and really randomly out of nowhere, for those that don't know, I used to compete in pageants. I was reigning Miss um, Oregon. And so one of the judges for Miss USA just also happens to be a casting director. And we kind of had hit it off and had lunch a few times in LA because, you know, getting into entertainment and being a black girl, people begin to kind of just recognize and know your name. And so she had reached out like months prior to that and we had had lunch. And so she had reached out top of that next year, I believe that was 2017. And 
asked if I would consider doing a reality show. And I, I dead set was like, thank you so much for thinking of me, but no girl, no. And she was really persistent. And then she was like, okay, I got the green light to give you more details if you're willing to sign a confidentiality agreement. And I was like, sure, I'll listen to a good idea anytime. So signed the NDA, got that over to her. We do a Skype and she's like, okay, listen, the reality shows with Mark Burnett, he's never done a dating show before. And they really, really like you and want you to do the show. And I was like, cute girl. She kind of sparked my interest by throwing the Mark Burnett name out there because anyone who knew me growing up knows that Survivor is my absolute favorite show. Mark Burnett is the creator and the creator of Survivor. But what I love the most about Mark Burnett is not only that he's a believer, but in the ingenuity and how Survivor started. So quick educational break for us really quick to kind of just give you a, give you guys some background. When Mark Burnett originally was pitching Survivor, nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted to touch it. It was a type of show that nobody had seen before. They didn't think that it was going to work, but because Mark had made so much money in his corporate job, he betted on himself. So he said, look, give me the airspace and I'll pay for all the production and I'll just make my money back on that on that back end with advertisement because I know this show is going to sell. Well, it did exactly just that, but Mark Burnett was so smart because he owned the IP, not the network. And so that is literally why Survivor is one of the largest grossing reality shows ever. It's also one of the biggest international reality shows. So when they said Mark Burnett was going to be on the island and I'd have an opportunity to have five minutes with him, embarrassing myself and putting myself on national television and being completely transparent with the world about dating and my love life and how I grew up, I jumped at the opportunity to meet a man that I greatly admire. And so I did the show, got paid to be on vacation for six weeks and to meet someone who I greatly admire. And he gave a ton of gems that I will take with me for the remainder of my life. And so when people ask me why on earth, like a woman like me, and I, I always say, don't say that like a woman like me, anybody, if they're, they're, they have a carrot of money in front of your face and they're offering you a free paid vacation is going to jump out the, the gnaw. So, you know, get that out of your notion of, you know, there's a certain type of characteristic or character of someone who does a reality show. Cause I think that's very far from it. And I think Mark, Mark Burnett showed that with the type of cast that he chose for that particular show. But long story shorter, I ended up doing the show, getting back to Price Law and Price Law began to just really take off. And it had nothing really to do with the show because the show didn't actually end up doing all that great. But it was positioning. I had started to make enough educational videos I had started to retain a certain level of clientele from my days at Microsoft and with the Blazers, I had a certain amount of, uh, I had a certain amount of clientele that I was able to then transition that into other opportunities. And Price Law kind of has just been snowballing ever since. And I'm super grateful because I didn't plan it's a single ounce of it. If there was anything I was planning, it was to take over the sports world. It was by no means to become an intellectual property expert. Do I love I this. I love this yeah. story because every time I talk to you about your story, I get a different piece of it. And so one thing I know you didn't mention in this one was because I think I had asked you again. I'm like, so how did you get into the basketball thing? And you mentioned the David, you sent an email to David Stern and I'm like the confidence and the ability <laughs> to do that at such a young age. And now hearing the part with the survivor and the reality show, it's always so interesting to me. And 
even the Tiffany piece to even unpack that. That's how I found you through Tiffany. So yeah. it's funny how everything all connects. And I know you assist right now with contracts and LLC setup and trademarks and copyright. And today I want to dive into the trademark and copyright specifically, because I know that was yeah. so helpful for those listening. So can you explain both of those things? Like what's a trademark, sure. what's a copyright? Um, because there are so many people in the audience that probably need further details. We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host Matt Heslin brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. I'm so glad that you asked that question specifically because I notice every day how many people do not understand the difference, but why it's so imperative that we do because this information isn't just for the business owners. It's not just for the influencers. It's for anybody, everybody. We all need to be very cognizant of our intellectual property because every single day we create it and every single day people infringe upon it. And so to give a good breakout breakdown, think about it from this perspective. Copyrights protect your internal content. So the genius that your mind creates out of nothing, out of thin air. So like this podcast right now is a copyrighted tangible piece of creative work that when we're finished with it, you could apply for a copyright. You can apply for a copyright in a video, literary work, anything that is creative and tangible. So like a sculptures, painting. So I have, I literally have clients who are making millions from art and, you know, turning that into different mediums, but because it's copyrighted, it's, we're able to have different partnerships with other corporations. So think about trademarks that actually protect the external part of your business. So trademarks protect your branding. So think of the Nike swoosh, the Nike brand name, think of uh, just do it, their slogan. All of those things are things that the government has decided that we want to help protect our consumers so that they know when they're interacting with your business. And so that's the difference between trademarks and copyrights. And it's, it's super exciting because look at it from the perspective of if you are running a business, you need a trademark regardless of what type of industry you're in. If you're in the creative space, you need to understand how copyrights work regardless of the type of creative space that you're in. And so that's why I'm, I'm so big on, for me, it's all fun and dandy getting the clients, but that's not why I do what I do. And that's not why I started Price Law. I do what I do from an educational piece. Like I have other businesses that, you know, keep your girl really, really happy out here. Um, but I, I, I <laughs> I do law and I continue to practice law strictly from an educational perspective because I understand that this is the information that you guys really, really need. One of my favorite movies of the last few years was actually an HBO movie. And it was about a woman who um, ended up getting sick and was in the hospital and agreed to, you know, some testing to save her life. But that woman ended up having the, the genes for medicine that is healed millions across this globe and her family was never compensated for it and it's strictly like our blood is is even intellectual property and so i'm really passionate about just making sure that we understand that we are literally walking breathing 
like cash machines if we really put our minds, bodies, and spirits to it. And so you you know this because you'll be in attendance, but that's literally what why I was able to burn the legal launch conference, which is, you know, coming up June 13th. If you guys are listening to this in time, it's also on demand available. But I really burked it from the perspective of every single one of us, especially through quarantine, is birthing different ideas, but don't really understand how to legally protect it. And so that's why I created this conference. It really started off as one day. Now it's going to be two days because my clients started hearing about and they were like, why didn't you ask me if I wanted to participate? So I literally had to turn it from one day to two days. And so I have some really big surprises in store. So I think it's a really great way to not only learn about intellectual property, but understand contracts, how social media works with your business, and really honestly, just making sure that you have a good level of education so that your brand is legally protected so that you have something to pass down to generations to come so dope and i you know i signed up as soon as i saw it, i know I, you did you were literally the first person to sign up so i have to think of something really special for you so dope i love it and i love your passion behind it all right i know ivan's gonna be there so i'm just excited to see it all oh but, i have some other really cool like special guests that aren't even on the site yet so i'm super excited ooh. i'm waiting for a few contracts to get signed today so I will be um, launching, uh, releasing those names later this week. So it definitely, once I release those names, it's going to sell out. So I hope people are jumping on it and taking my word for it. And is it a quick link they could get to, or should they just yes, go on your Instagram? De- you just go straight to www.thelegallaunch.com and you can secure and The reason why, and it's so cool. So what I decided about this conference was I wanted it to be more than just information that you guys were going to take away. So it's more than just the the two-day event. You also walk away with my legal toolkit, which comes packed with all of the contracts, policies, and templates. I saw that. that. So cool. Um, You can also upgrade your seat because, you know, I'm a sports girl. So I believe in you being able to pick some good seats if you need them. And so it also allows you to upgrade if you are at the place where you have the idea, but actually haven't formalized it with a business entity. You can upgrade it to have me. I will actually be doing the the filings myself. You can also upgrade it if you're like, hey, I'm in the process of launching and I know I need to protect my brand. I want to go ahead and be learning this information and getting my trademark at the same time. And so you can upgrade to get your trademark as well. And so I'm super, super excited because my goal is really just to get 500 people educated on brand protection. And I'll actually put the links to that in the show notes as well. But just so you guys understand, understand that Dominique has five trademarks for me handling right now. Okay. So when <laughs> she says, listen, so when she says the difference, I'm like, yes, girl. So while we can protect with a copyright, this information that we're talking about now, the name Freedom Slay mm-hmm. is trademarked thanks to mm-hmm. Dominique. So she keeps my coins protected and I will continue <laughs> throwing her my coins. So <laughs> I love that. So why do you think it's so important to have this type of protection, especially for small businesses? I mean, it really really just gets down to, you know, Nike is one of the largest, the most recognized fashion brand in the globe. They're also one of the youngest fashion brands out there. Like Nike isn't a Louis Vuitton, you know, that has been around for hundreds of years. It's not a Christian Louis Vuitton. You know, it's, it's literally a brand that was birthed in our lifetime that is a cultural brand. And when they started, they weren't selling more than 50 pairs of shoes a month. Bill Knight still understood that he, he seen the trajectory of where Nike could potentially go. And so even though he only paid $30 
for that Nike swoosh. That Nike swoosh that he paid $30 for is now worth $29 billion alone. Not the shoes that he sells, not the other intellectual property assets that Nike owns. I'm saying that Nike swoosh by itself is so globally recognized that if he sold that to another company tomorrow, he'd be selling it at a starting bid of $29 billion. And he purchased that logo for $30. So when people ask me why is intellectual property important, that's why it's important. Because the woman who created that logo has tried to sue him so many times to get more money, but she can't because he legally protected himself. There was a, a release form done as soon as she did the logo. He owns that logo free and clear. Well, Nike actually owns it. He doesn't own it himself, which is probably a mistake on his end, but that'd have to be another podcast. Um, but you really just want to understand that your intellectual property is gold and you have to protect it as such. And if you believe that what you're creating could one day feed generations to come from your family lineage, then do your due diligence and protect it. But if you don't believe in your business that bit, that much, then don't. And that's literally how I, I, I tell people, if you believe in your business that much, I'll believe in it. But if you don't believe in it, get, like get off my phone. Exactly. And I say that to people all the time and they even focus on, and this is going to go on another question, but when they focus on just their neighborhood, right? I'm like, you have to be thinking about this. If you are serious about this business and growing it to a place to create that legacy for yourself, your family and loved ones in the community, you're going to want to protect this on an international level or exactly. at least on a national level, right? So right. I know that for you, one of the things I had asked for you, I'm like, listen, there's an are there an international trademarks? This was at first. She, she mm-hmm. schooled me, guys. She schooled <laughs> me on how it worked. But I was asking, like, are there international trademarks for specific countries? And, you know, or do you have to get one in the U.S.? And then, like, how does it work? So you explained it to me. But can you explain it to the audience who may not know? They may be saying, I'm going to have no idea, so- but how does it work? Okay, so I hope you're enjoying this podcast with Dominique so far, and we're going to dive back into it in a short bit, but I wanted to pause it really quickly to remind you that the doors are opening to my Cubicle Ditch Academy program very soon, which helps entrepreneurs like you get prepped, primed, and positioned to profitably chuck the deuces to your nine to five. And before opening the doors of the program, I have a super powerful free training to teach you the three steps to monetize your business on a consistent basis so that you can ditch that job of yours. So if you're listening to this podcast episode and thinking, yeah, that's nice, but I don't know if I have the coins yet to get a trademark lawyer, or maybe you're thinking it's time to really start stepping up your game to build that lasting legacy, then I need you to hop on this upcoming webinar and you can sign up at gainete.com forward slash webinar. Super simple, right? No, not the way my name's spelled. G-A-Y-N-E-T-E dot com forward slash webinar. So that's W-E-B-I-N-A-R. And the webinar is on June 9th, 2020. So if you're listening to this episode after that time, just shoot me a DM and I can direct you from there because, you know, it may be the replay available or possibly there's another webinar happening. So just send me a DM and we can move on from there. Okay, let's get back into this interview. Yeah, and so you have to look at it from this perspective. The government is not trying to put a monopoly on everything around the globe, especially seeing as how words are interpreted differently in different countries, the uses could be completely different, and they want to give people the opportunity to have re-commerce. That's what our our countries have been designed on most of them because we do realize that some of our audience member members may not be as as blessed as us to live in such free countries. We apologize and hope that you can get free soon. But with that being said, 
they want to make sure that you're actually using it in these different countries. So they require that you start in your home country. So for you, that may be Bermuda or it may be Canada, depending on you know what exactly leg of your business we're talking about. For me, that would be the US. But then as my brand grows, I may notice that I have a ton of clientele in London. So I may consider doing a European trademark as well. I, I do have a ton of clients in Africa as well. So I may consider getting some trademarks in a few African countries as well. And so you really just want to take a look. You, I always say, you always start with your home country first with your trademark. And then from there, start looking at your sales map, look at your demographics and see where is your audience coming from. And then that's where you add the extra layers of protection. Mm -hmm. And we actually started in the U.S. because I know that's where 90 plus percent of the people are for me. Yeah. So, And it's also something interesting you told me as it relates specifically for fashion brands and, you know, what they need to do and where they need to get protected. Because you were like, no, it needs to be done simultaneously in multiple places. So can you explain a bit about that? Yeah, for sure. And so it really just gets down to your, 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 uh, your ability to grow really fast. And so I always use Supreme as an example, because they didn't think they, as a street brand, that they were going to take off the way that they did. And because of that, they had already had their U.S. trademark, but they didn't have their China trademark. And literally within a year of really going viral and, you know, celebrities really like taking their brand to the next level, another company in China got the trademark for Supreme and has a Supreme store, a Supreme knockoff store in China. And there's, there's absolutely nothing the Supreme company in the U.S. can do about it because the other company did their, their due diligence. They didn't do anything illegal. And it just sucks because Supreme just didn't jump on their, their national protection the way that they should have. And that's a huge market from a fashion perspective to not have a stronghold of your brand in. Mm -hmm. China for sure, especially because yeah. where a lot of the counterfeits so, come from. Yeah. And so like, I could, I could literally give you guys a million different case studies on, you know, how infringement happens or, you know, why it's important to have contracts with your freelancer so that you can protect your intellectual property. But what it really gets down to is you have to have something to protect in the first place. And so I always say, don't put the horse before the cart, make sure that you're fleshing out your business ideas. Once you have your business ideas fleshed out, Make sure that you're protecting your business entity from there. That's when we get in the conversation about intellectual property and brand protection. And then only then can we start talking about estate planning and the conversations from a legal perspective only get more complicated and more strategic from there because that's when we really get into wealth creation. But I really, really hope that this information is helpful and that I see every single one of your audience members at the Legal Launch Virtual Conference next month. And I can't wait, can't wait, can't wait to continue to just, the thing about business law is it's not one conversation, it's multiple. So I'm excited to, you know, start this conversation with you guys, but know that it's going to be a continued journey that we take with each other to really learn. Mm -hmm. And what about those who think that it's sufficient to just Google a name or check on social media? Like, what is your, what do you say about that? Do you agree? No, you <laughs> would need to go to USPTO.gov or to get an attorney to do an extensive search for you. For sure. I always have one question I love to ask at the end of mm -hmm. these interviews, and that is, what does freedom mean to you? Freedom means to me. It's so funny because every time I hear that question, I pause because I think for me, it, freedom is having the right to change that definition daily. I like that. 
Yeah. And that's really for me what mm-hmm. it is. And I think starting Christ Law gave me the freedom to create that definition daily. I get to decide if I want to block off a week from doing consultations. I get to decide if we're taking meetings from Dubai. I get to make the decisions for Price Law as, you know, I wasn't able to make those decisions and, you know, go to the conferences and, and edify and grow the way I wanted to when I was in corporate. And so for me, Christ Law is freedom and continuously every single day to strive to be a better woman and, you know, friend and sister mm-hmm. is, is all I can say I, I, I work on daily to gain and freedom. You- and you are amazing. Okay. Oh, thank, thank you, babe. I think you're amazing too. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you for creating this because I know you have a ton of audience members who don't get the opportunity to get on the phone with you and say thank you. So from all of them to you, we thank you for what you do daily. Thank you, girl. Thank you for hopping on. So there you have it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode with Dominique Price. I'm going to drop the link below for her Instagram as well as the upcoming virtual conference she has, The Legal Launch, which is at thelegallaunch.com. If you want to get in on that, I highly recommend that you do. I'll put all of that below in the show notes for you as well as for my upcoming webinar on June 9th, gainate.com forward slash webinar. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast because in the very next episode, we're going to be diving into money and investments and all the things with another special guest. So make sure you're subscribed and we will chat soon. Okay. Okay. I see you, Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you 